Crowpod contains language and themes which may not be suitable for anyone, but what is suitable for everybody is the great stuff from our friends at the famous iconic wear for bears. Go check out the famous uk. Great stuff over there. And if you want to win some stuff from them, scroll down, hit the buy me a coffee link in the show notes on this episode that you're listening to right now. We give away stuff from them every single month here on the Crowpod. So check them out. The famous uk. This is a Heart and Hand production. All right, welcome to uh, the Heart and Hand Crow Pod uh, Shades Sagas, I guess is what we're going to go with the podcast. Uh, we're going to kick it off this week. Me and David, hello David, hello. Hello, are going everyone. to talk about uh, presidents who got shot and then died of being shot. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a, you know, a nice light topic to really kick off the uh, the new expansion. And it's also, it's also an important distinction because... There are presidents who got shot and didn't die of being shot. Correct. Uh, and yes. we're not we're not including them. I won't be on this every week, incidentally, folks. It's not just like crow pod extra. This is a no. proper show that Shane's doing, but he just asked me on the first time because you know he knew I'd be available really more than yeah. Plus, in all fairness, he knows this is this is very much in my uh in my wheelhouse. This is it, 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 in your sights. Yeah, uh. that, well in my air, like that, yeah. Um but yes, the the national um pastime of the US, of course, as as we know, um over the years, the, the pressing to get the shooting presidents included in the Olympics. But uh it, it wasn't allowed because the Olympics you've got to preserve your amateur status, whereas you guys were the pros when it ah. came to, to having a pot shot at the press. But um we've only had the one assassination. Uh, in in the UK, oh, you know, guys yeah, yeah, just just the one all those years ago. Um, but no, there, there's been a lot of assassination attempts in the US, but you've calmed down about the last one, what 1981. So yeah, yeah the, I mean the last real one, yeah, uh, the, yeah. the one that won it. You know, because kind of ever since then they tend to suss them out before they get too well developed. So yeah. well, I watched the film in the line of fire in preparation for this. <sighs> Today. A historical documentary, by the way. Absolutely, yes. Um, <laughs> well, it's got the guy from being John Malkovich in it. What is his name again? Oh, yeah, that's John right, Malkovich. John Malkovich. <laughs> uh, he, he was in it, and uh, no. But, uh, yeah, I think it was always one of the more interesting aspects of, uh, and I suppose it, it ties into that, that. I know people might kind of lazily say, oh, gun coach and stuff, but it, it was more about that very much direct uh, very direct influence on things that uh, American politics has always had that outlaw element yeah. to it. You know, it yeah. comes from you know a nation state that was formed in pretty tough circumstances. It was formed out of a war. It was formed then out of um, you know be, be taking control of of your own destiny, and that may require to do so through through violent methods. Now, of course, that's like you know comparing going to, to, to fight off in a what you might term a just war versus just invading your neighbours, right? I mean, there's, there's, different, <laughs> there's different levels to it, of course. But uh, I think that it does come from that, that culture 
um, that America was formed in very much of you take direct action, you don't sit back. And this is, of course, the logic, uh, the you know, pushing it to its illogical extreme. This is way out in the wild. But it's interesting that there's no really linked motive. We're going to discuss four people here today, and there's not really any linked motivation. I mean, you've got all sorts here. No, you've got all politics. very unique. Yeah. yeah. You've, mean, you've got politics, you've got hatred, you've got office seeking, you've got fame, you've got um, you know wanting to be someone. And uh, one of the interesting ones, of course, that we're not going to discuss, but you know, I, I always find interesting was the Reagan one, which does seem like a movie plot, and it's you know to impress Jodie Foster, yeah, um, because you know that th- this was what this guy had done in his head, and and, and it seems like a movie plot because it, it would make a perfectly plausible reason to to do that um certainly you know god how old was was reagan when he 77 i think when he, he got shot uh, and, he, and he recovered within weeks so it was uh, a remarkable i mean it, it was like a hollywood movie but uh but yeah for who i think what we would definitely say one of whom should have survived yeah I th- I th- the james garfield story i think that the people might enjoy because <laughs> it, it not no, if they were related to him, they wouldn't. Oh, God. I, 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 yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you know, two definitely are gone. Getting shot in the head, you usually don't survive that one. Um, mm. McKinley probably had a chance, maybe, you know, in a, in a slightly different time or, or just in a different setting, uh, as we'll see. And, of course, Garfield really probably should have lived. Should have, um, yeah. Which his assassin also points out. <laughs> so... he, we're going to have a lot of fun discussing uh, discussing him. He was most certainly a character, but uh, I take it we're starting with the daddy. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll get the we'll get the big one out the way. The big first uh, going back there on April fourteenth, eighteen sixty five, and John Wilkes Booth climbing into the president's box at Ford Theater to uh, put a bullet in the back of President Lincoln's head. Who, uh, for the rich old crime of thinking, you know, blacks shouldn't be slaves. Uh, I mean, by and large, an entirely boost motivation. And and it is one of those things that, you know, the further it goes along, or, you know, it's all part of the lost cause uh, aspect of Civil War revision, that there's always all this other, I don't know, people like to add reasons to why Booth went and, Killed Lincoln. No, he, he, he's a Confederate sympathizer and thought slaves should be a thing and wanted to kill Lincoln. Like, that's, yeah, that's about I think, it. <laughs> I, I think an interesting theory that's been put forward by a number of historians is that you do have to take into account, uh, or, or maybe it's interesting, you don't have to take into account, because yeah. you're, what you said there is true. This is why he did this, right? He was a Confederate sympathizer. Uh, the South had lost the war. He was appalled at it. He found himself in Washington. He was a famous actor. Um, well, well, he was a famous actor, but his father, I think, was the more famous. He was part of this quite famous acting. Fact. He was he was Stephen Baldwin. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and that group, but uh, he found himself in Washington seeing the celebrations, and you know, a lot of anger. I mean, that's the thing when war ends. Very rarely, I think, do people just go right. Fair enough, then, and you go back to. You go back to the kind of status <laughs> antebellum. I don't think that that happens. And and he was you know very very angry and he, he hatched this plot. I think initially you can correct me on this if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Initially, he'd had this plan before the end of the war to kidnap Lincoln. Yes. Um, yes. 
and yeah, and I, I, I believe that was uh, well during Lincoln's Lincoln, of course, was assassinated right at the beginning of his of his second term, just over a month into it. Um, but yeah, while the war was still being uh, uh, you know undertaken, um, well, he'd met Lincoln before at uh, Ford's Theater in like 1863, and so they decided to come up with this whole kidnapping plan. Of course, with all the people who went about with with the plan. Uh, on the day of Lincoln's assassination, because he he wasn't the only one that was supposed to die. Uh, no, well, he was we'll the only to, one that did. We'll that. But yeah, we'll come to it. The, 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 the plan, I think, was to spirit him to the south and and basically hold him hostage against the surrender, wasn't it? Or or yeah. coming out of the south, yeah, something like that. So, um, the one of the theories that I've read that's been put forward is that he was an actor, obviously, and therefore the dramatic gesture. And maybe even the doomed romantic gesture to him. I mean, it's not a very romantic thing, obviously, murder. But that that was a, a big inspiration to him. That there was this element of somebody who needed attention. You know, and all actors do. That's why they do it. Right. They, they need their, especially stage actors, which obviously he was at that time. Um, they need that approbation. They need that thrill. Because he, he did very much think, I will be a hero. You know, I will... You know, I'll go to the south. I'll escape to the south and be feted and be. Uh, I'll be the man who, who who killed Lincoln. So, I think that that idea of that I'll be forever admired for what I've done. It's amazing how many assassins think that they'll be forever admired, <laughs> and then they kill someone, and people say, "Well, actually, you're, you're a murderer," and <laughs> it it doesn't work like that. Um, slips away. I think it is the is a case with him, but, uh, well, but, I think, yeah. I think part, part of the thing with Booth too, is, you know, the longer this went on, was, you know, it was over two years from the conception of the kidnapping plan, um, to him finally pulling the trigger. It, it, like you start to see in some of his writings, you know, to his mother or to his friends, or I think it was Lewis Powell that attended, um, Lincoln's speech with him at the white house just a few days before the assassination. And this is one where um, Lincoln was promoting, you know, that blacks, once they were free, be given voting rights, uh, which Booth, of course, did not like. But he didn't have a gun on him. So he kept trying to egg Lewis Powell on to shoot him right there. Um, And either Powell wouldn't or couldn't. um, You know, nobody really knows. But I I mean, by the end, it, it had become this completely consuming uh, uh, fascination of his, you know, even to the point where the the night in which they finally go to execute their plan, the, the other people are kind of like, eh, I don't know if this is a good idea now, man. Like war's over, you know, Lee's down there surrendering. Um, I don't know what we got to gain with this one, and he's still like, Nah, fuck this, I'm doing it. Yeah, and that's that definitely, I think, play, plays into the kind of the doomed cause and and the whole. Because I mean, one of the things about the South almost immediately was to try and uh, if you like they, they, they tried to recast what the war had been as somebody said right well, we can't win the war but we can win the peace and what they, they immediately tried to do was recast that as somehow that they'd been the victim that somehow it was this um romanticized doomed struggle for existence and whatnot and and i think that this is an early sign of that very early of course you know mm-hmm. it's, it's the immediate aftermath of the war and that it plays into that but uh, but you're right. I mean, it was it was a a fairly wide reaching plan. I mean, it wasn't just that that, that sometimes get gets lost. And I mean, this was they, they were trying to kill the cabinet. Yeah, 
Well, it was, yeah, because what Powell was supposed to go get, uh, uh, I think it was um, William Seward, who was the uh, Secretary of State. And, of course, they wanted, um, uh, was it Atzerod, I think, was one of the other accomplices. He was supposed to go kill Andrew Johnson, which really would have worked out better for all of us if that happened. Uh, he Although he... Out. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't. I don't blame him though, because Johnson was a fucking terrifying man. No matter, oh, and, and a vicious what, drunk too. I mean, he would have been yeah. pissed up. Just <laughs> he, he, he just strung him up. I mean, the, there's a great story about Johnson, which is true, incidentally, that he, he because he was clearly, you know, the the, the one unionist uh, senator in the south. He, he was going to give a speech before the war. And he was told, you know, if you turn up at this, there are people saying they're going to kill you. And he walked onto the lectern, put his gun out and said, uh, I've been told that there are people in the audience tonight who wish to cause me harm. Is this correct? And nobody moves. Or say, he says, right, OK, I've been misinformed and delivers his speech <laughs> while holding his gun for the whole the, the whole of the time he was up there. So, you know, he, he, he was a, a fairly bad bastard. But, um, you know, they, they attacked other cabinet members. One was stabbed mm-hmm. very badly. Um, during during this, so the the plan was to cause chaos, and the, you know obviously assassinating the president was going to do that anyway. But it was to put the the, the north really into political uh, paralysis. The, the, yeah. the, the idea was well, they won't be able to be able to function. The story itself, I think, is again it, it contains elements of you know obviously tragedy, but there's comedy in there as well because famously Booth jumps. From the for those you you might not be too familiar with the story, Booth was was well known at the theatre. He was an actor, so that's why he kind of had free reign to wander about in it. Um, and he he walks into to Lincoln's box, shoots him um, from behind. But then, and this is the bit that is darkly comic. I think she tries to leap from the stage to or leap from the box to the stage. Shouting, what was it, six Emperor Tyrannus? Yeah, it, it, it depends on who. Yeah, there's, there's, it was either Death to Tyrants or the South Rises Again, or, you know, there's like 20 different, um, uh, well, but, but basically, yeah, I just killed the son of a bitch. Is, uh, yeah, it was the gist of it. But yeah. he, he spark because obviously, you know, he'd ridden a horse. His spark catches on some, some oh. drapes. Bunting, I guess. Bunting, the, yeah. Uh... It was hanging up. You know, you're dead. You see it in theatres still to this day. You know, they'll have banners and, and stuff up. And it catches on that and he lands on the stage and breaks his leg, um, which was to play a part in the execution of poor old Dr. Samuel Mudd <laughs> later on. Yeah. Yeah. More people are dying. <laughs> you know, the thing, too, of course, this is before. Secret Service protection. Um, Lincoln did have some bodyguards. There have been at least two attempts on his life prior, right? There was the Baltimore plot, literally while he's on his way to Washington, D.C. And then there was another incident in which they found a bullet hole had pierced through his uh, top hat. So, I mean, this wasn't the first go. But his uh, guards had come up to the intermission. They went to the pub across the street and were drinking Mm. while this was going on. So I think that's probably the most staggering thing to modern to modern observers because you've just come off a civil war. So it's not even like, you know, the the the, the front five is days earlier. Five days. Five days earlier. <laughs> you, it's not like you've come off that the you know the front is is a thousand miles away. And as if they would have left FDR, you know, just sitting in a public space on his own 
without anybody guarding him. But well, they, they have to prop him up. I mean, that's that's the difference. That's true, but but <laughs> at that time they genuinely did believe that yeah, it's okay. You know, it's a perfectly yeah. normal thing. But but the other thing about that I find staggering that, that we'll, we'll come to with the next that this didn't really prompt a massive change no. in the security <laughs> of a president. It didn't it didn't cause that. And you're God, you're really looking to when certainly the the a, a fair old chunk into the 20th century before we begin to see what we might consider to be... Yeah, they they, they had to kill the fourth one, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) exactly, before we get to the stage where... uh, And it is difficult, because it's one man, and one man who does occasionally have to be out in public, um, and it, it, you know, who is a politician who has to go in in glad hand. Tell you what, if I was a second-term president, would I ever be walking the crowd... You know, the, <laughs> you know that you don't need it. They're never going to vote for you ever again. Also a you lesson that them. doesn't get learned in these four stories. No, exactly. <laughs> Just stay in at that point and during your second term. Um, but Booth escapes, um, rides off, and then uh, an enormous manhunt. And I think that this is... That you, you and I will sit and have a laugh about the US throughout history at times. We have a laugh about the UK on the Crowpod, but you know, when America <laughs> puts its resources into something, then <laughs> you are fucked if you're the person on the end of it. And they eventually track him down to a bar, uh, to a barn, not a bar. That would have been cool. Bar. But yeah. to a, to a, uh, to well, a he barn. He stopped at a few bars along the way, but yes. <laughs> well, the, the, the Samuel Mudd thing, for people yeah. who, who might not know, um, he was a doctor and they woke him up broken ankle and everything and he treated them yep. and you bastards hung him yeah yeah no no idea no idea. They, they were like, oh we, we've got the famous doctor or the the, the famous actor uh, uh mr booth here but he's got an injured ankle oh no i'll take care of him yeah oh wait 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 wait, 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 wait. you didn't tell you didn't tell me the part about him shooting the president right before you came here and, and even if you had it's he's hippopotamus oath <laughs> Um, he, he, you know, that's that a doctor has to treat. So they're not allowed. I mean, that's that's part of that. You you treat a sick person, you treat an injured person. Um, you don't get to make moral decisions. But he was tried and uh, he was hung for his part in it. The other controversial one was the Mary Atterot, his I think who was the the woman around the boarding house he stayed at, and she was hung. Um, and that was considered quite controversial because she was a female. She was hung for being involved in the plot. Um, and that one's, I think, probably been the one that's engendered the most debate afterwards throughout history about whether or not there was enough evidence linking her to it. But they didn't mess about in terms of the trials. They were basically military court martials, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, effectively at that point. Well, I think they treated them as, you know, what we would now call enemy combatants. Um you know, still trying to execute, uh, well, what was considered and is considered an illegal war. So, yeah, they didn't uh, they really fuck around. <laughs> Which and, and, and the rewards went out, you know, right away and uh, everything. And, of course, you know, Booth is finally found, as we said, in a barn uh, in Virginia. Uh, I think it was 12 days later. And uh, it was soldiers from... Um, um, I want to say the 16th New York Cavalry who were just gotten done 
fighting a civil war <laughs> against these fucking Southerners, and now they're sent to go find this one who just shot the president. So he's hiding in the they, barn. They weren't in the best of moods. No, no, no. So he's hiding in the barn. They set the barn on fire, and Boo's sitting there, you know, giving, I won't be taken alive, which is true, because I believe it was Boston Corbett, who was a sergeant, crept up behind the barn and just shot him in the back of the head. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, You're and not- he was still alive. They, they weren't done. <laughs> Um, they set fire to the bomb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, standard uh, tactics, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. No, but um, the uh, but, yes. yeah that the one of the most long re- you know, probably the, the of all these assassinations and I can hear Kennedy files getting upset at me but this was the one that without a doubt had the most long term effect because of what Shane referred to back then which was the person who then took over uh, in that wonderful way that you guys have managed to get yourselves into this fankle I think four times previously where the party who'd won the election then have to put a president in who isn't a member of their party um, which is quite a good trick incidentally Mm -hmm. but you've managed it more than once Um, Andrew Johnson who is a Democrat uh, becomes the president he'd been put on as part of a kind of unity ticket to um, during the, the previous election. He, Which was a common, the, the split tickets were a lot more common back then than they yeah, obviously they, they were. Especially the, the parties hadn't, I mean, the Republican Party's brand new at this point, really. Yeah. Um, the, it's less than a decade old. Then before that, you had the Whigs, which was less a party, more a kind of coalition, really, wasn't it? Just of, mm-hmm. of, of various interests. But um, Johnson comes in, and, and of course, it's him who delivers Reconstruction, and that would have significant effects for the next well till now really um Mm. but 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 particularly for the next century alone and that's why with all due respect to the other three yes including kennedy that i'd say that this assassination was by far the most influential and and the most long-reaching consequences although it did you know lincoln hadn't been this saint when he was alive no. But almost immediately on, on death, he was almost sort of canonized. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, to be fair, the war had just ended. So, I mean, there, there wasn't really time to, to consider, uh, you know, the impact and everything that had gone on. And then, of course, when you're replaced by a absolute fucking sack of cum like Andrew Johnson, it makes people realize how good they had it up until mm-hmm. the point somebody put a bullet in your head. So. Mm. Um, but it, it, you know, you go for another what, twenty years without one. So that, uh, that wasn't bad. Not, not quite, right? Not quite. Uh, not, not, uh, didn't make the full. The full. No, no. About, about sixteen no. years here. <laughs> and uh, isn't there an interesting story about Abraham Lincoln's son being? Yeah. Ah, right. Go on. Yeah. So we we got a lot of ties in here. So now I, I, I want you guys to remember this name because because it's going to come up here in a little bit. Uh, Dr. Willard Bliss. Okay. Um, right. Dr. Willard Bliss. We're, we're going to come back to him. Now, he, he he was in the treatment of Lincoln, though he was not the uh, head doctor. <laughs> yeah. Head doctor. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that was, of course, uh, Charles Leal. But um, Bliss did take kindly to, you know, going and talking to the press and trying to build up you know, his, his, he, he was, he'd be like the, the fake TV doctors of the, of the 1860s, basically. Um, mm-hmm. and quite literally a snake oil salesman. Uh, I believe the American Medical Association at one point held him up on charges of quackery. So, <laughs> so 
keep this man in mind as we move along to the horrible, awful death of James Garfield, who only made it uh, 200 days in office. Um, Didn't even want to be president. No, not at all. No. 200 days, uh, you know, as David just said there, um, uh, coming off the back of Grant's uh, two terms. And, of course, at the time, while not written in law, there was still the practice of a president not serving more than two terms because Washington had done so. So there were some Republicans that still wanted to put Grant back in. Uh, That, of course, met some resistance, some because of the two-term hang-up, some because people were just getting sick of Grant. Not, 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 Not that Grant was by any means a bad, you know, one of the worst presidents, but he had enough scandals throughout uh his time there and and his health was starting to fail as a matter of course so garfield wasn't so much him as i mean i don't think anyone's yeah. ever accused him of being um personally corrupt but certainly his cabinet was full of wrongings yeah i mean yeah. they made out like bandits <laughs> uh, really you know think charles green um if it wasn't nailed down then grant's <laughs> cabinet were away with it and and he was you know quite upstandingly moral in fact um I think we, we lost a lot of money actually being yeah. shysters through bad investments. But his his problem was he would he, he picked bad friends and then was too loyal to them. Yeah. So we we, we get to the uh, Republican convention here. Uh, Garfield's there because Garfield had recently been selected. He, he'd been the Ohio uh, uh, contingent of the U.S. House of Representatives, right? Sir, well, and prior to this, it, uh, Garfield and Polk, I think, are the two guys who ended up being president that never, ever really wanted to be president. Um, now, we didn't get to see what Garfield could do. Polk, of course, famously just told him, like, look, I'll do it for four years, and I'm fucking done. Don't ask mm-hmm. me to run again. This is it. Killed him. Uh, they worked so hard, they killed himself. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Garfield, uh, by all means, a, a good member of the the House of Representatives. I think he was the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee for a while, um, the effective minority leader at one point before that became a term, um, and was about to move into the U.S. Senate when it comes up to the uh, presidential nomination time in 1880. And so they're sitting there, and, and these people are trying to, you know, they don't want Grant, they don't want to, trying to figure this thing out. And then all of a sudden, I, I think it was a group out of Wisconsin just throws their votes behind Garfield, who's like, what the fuck? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not running. Not, nor have I ever said for a second that I want to run. So, of course, everybody does the reasonable thing and continues to build more votes for James Garfield <laughs> mm-hmm. until he finally overcomes Grant on, uh, you know, took a number of ballots and, so, begrudgingly, he says, okay, all right, I'll do it. And then wins an election that he doesn't want to win, narrowly over uh, Winfield Hancock. Uh, all this time, there's a guy named Charles Gateau, who's kind of just a fringe local political, I don't know, consultant, I think is what we would call him these days. But uh, volunteer might be more yeah, accurate. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that might be even better. So he'd written a speech um, for Garfield. Well, actually, he'd written it for Grant, and then Garfield won the nomination. So he changed all the references from Grant to Garfield. So it didn't make any fucking sense. Uh, 
Um, obviously, Garfield never gives a speech, but Gateau, who maybe has a little bit of the Hinkley to him, let's say. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Starts to think he should be awarded a, uh, like a, I don't know, a, a, a ambassadorship, preferably to Paris. Paris, yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the best, well, that, you know, one of the, the, the two best ones, or the two yeah. biggest ones, certainly at the time, <laughs> Paris or, or London, and he, he's after Paris. Yeah, yeah um, I think that this culture that, that we, again, maybe don't quite understand, because it's never been quite as naked over here. I mean, it's it existed, but the, the whole spoil system in the US post, Andrew Jackson, where he said, you know, when I won the election, the jobs that we control, well-paid, easy jobs, we are going to give to our supporters, yeah. and that that became, you know, the spoil system. And and ever since then, it was it was fairly open. In fact, not fairly, it was totally open. The the political party who wanted in got in, and then if you you know worked for them or you were their supporter, you would go and get these jobs. And Genuinely, this is stunning to to me. I know it's the 19th century, but people could go just go to the White House and ask for a job, and they would yeah. take you in to see the president, and and you would sit and you would say, "Hi, you know, I worked on the campaign. I did this. You know, I, I'm do that. I'm yeah, I run a newspaper and I'm the editor, and I've been pro you. And and if you know that that they found that you'd done enough, then yeah, you you'd be given a job now. Again, you know, we don't want to make it sound like every job that was given out, you know, they didn't make you chief breast oil or a playboy or anything. You know, it could it could be as simple as, right, you know, we'll put you on the, the tax collecting committee for this or you'll go on to, um, I suppose the, the modern thing would be these sort of quangos that, that governments, you know, have. Yeah. But, you know, well-paid position in a time when... You know, the, the, the job market certainly wasn't like it is now, but it was well paid. There wasn't a lot of work in it. It was a reward and people understood this. But this chap hadn't really worked on the campaign. I mean, he was a supporter of them, but, yeah. you know, bar some leafleting, genuinely some leafleting. Which really he done didn't much. pay for. <laughs> no, exactly. He didn't pay the bill for. He didn't pay the bill for. It goes to the party. <laughs> and um, the whole, the thing that makes this so, of course, Really interesting is the whole stalwart thing because the Garfield was uh you know, people were were sick of this system where what they called machine politics where people mm. genuinely would um you know New York had a really big one called Tammany Hall and and what that would be, would mean it was almost like what we might think of of unions you know the whole Jimmy Hoffa idea of a union that you signed up to the party you promised them your vote uh, and they would therefore going and they would look after you basically you know that they would then make sure that your district got you know the best cleaning and got the new buildings and all that sort of stuff and that that's how it was but people were sick of it the progressive movement came along and said no our our politics are dirty we've got and garfield was one of them unfortunately his vice president was representative of a group called the stalwarts um guy called uh, chester e arthur and you've just got over your chester e arthritis (laughs) <laughs> so this guy the, 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 you know the, this, this Guito he was a stalwart he said he supported the stalwarts he supported the principle and people openly did Shane again that's the other thing that I think that I find staggering is people would openly say no I support this system of giving out the good jobs to my pals you know can you imagine that now it happens but at least they have the fucking good grace not to say yeah yeah 
Yeah, instead of just a blatantly, uh, you know, brazen. Well, I can tell here, like, you know, uh, the day after Garfield's inauguration, he shows up in D.C. thinking that he's still going to be able to get a gig, right? Goes to see Garfield at the White House on March 8th uh, and drops off a copy of the speech, which, again, it wasn't even about Garfield in the first place. It was all about Grant, and he just changed, like, literally like, just crossed out Grant and wrote Garfield. You know, um, so he, he keeps he keeps hounding on, hounding on, and it was James Blaine, who's the Secretary of State, who finally, sometime in May, is just like, man, get the fuck out of here, right? Like, we're not giving you a job. Don't know who the fuck you are. Get the fuck out. Uh, now, of course, is anybody taking the time to look before? You know, of course, this is before Google. You know, there's no yeah. internet, which again will become a problem when we get to Doctor Bliss. Uh, Gattel had been, I don't know if he was committed in the mid-1870s, but his, his family had been like, this guy's insane, somebody's got to do something. And then he took off, you know. So now, this is obviously coming back up here six years later in the uh, presence of the president. Gattel goes and buys a British Bulldog revolver uh, and follows the president to a police station, where, or not a train station, the Baltimore and Potomac Railroad Station, where... Again, Garfield is what, David? What 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 is he doing? He's on his own. He's going he's for a sh- his own. He's he's going for a short holiday and, and this is true, people. The president of the United States in the nineteenth century we are not talking mud huts era here, right? In the nineteenth century gets leaves the White House, goes out the front door with his luggage, gets into a taxi, right? It's a stagecoach, but it's a taxi. Um, rides the train station and gets out, just like you or I would do going on holiday. And he's he's walking up the stairs uh, into the train station on his own or with you know, one aide who's just keeping him company on the trip. But that's it. Yep. And get shot. So, uh, so here, here's here's what we've got now. Now Garfield's been in office for uh, I'll do this math here. 121 days at this point. I want to say. Just just over four months, right? That sounds right. Garfield makes it in office 200 days. So he's been in office for 121. He makes it 200, which tells you he survives now nearly 80 days after being shot. And by all accounts here, God, he probably would have just made it had it not been for the, uh, the doctor that they called, who was, again, the aforementioned uh, <laughs> Dr. Willard Bliss. Now, I will point out, his name is actually Dr. Willard Bliss, which I think at some point in this man's life, something happened and they went, is there a doctor in the house? And he went, yes, my name is Dr. Yes, I'm here. Yes. I'm right here. And this that's how he became a doctor. <laughs> it's so good right from the get go. First of all, <laughs> the president is lying bleeding in the station. Um, and he does that thing that great men do. And the next president will do this as well. Well, they immediately say, uh, the czar who was who was murdered said this. Archduke Franz Ferdinand said this. Don't hurt him. Don't hurt the assassin. Yeah. If somebody shoots me and I'm lucid, I'm saying fucking kill him. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Tear him limb from limb. But the great men in history tend not to. So immediately doctors come in from all. You know, the the news gets about. The, the local area and doctors rush down there they carry him 
they, they lift him, right, bleeding, shot. And they carry him up the stairs into a small room in the train station where they have found a dirty old mattress, which they lay him on with his wounds exposed to it. Several of the doctors then start to try and remove the bullet by Mm. poking about in the hole with their hands, which they haven't washed. (laughs) Can you see the problem here? We will point out, too, also, Dr. Willard Bliss, even at that time, again, charged with the AMA with quackery at one point, was, like, well known to be exceptionally dirty. But there's there's first-person accounts from the time of, you know, like, his coat was just constantly covered in blood. Uh, He never, never washed his hands. Um, So, yeah, Garfield has been hit twice. The first bullet grazes his shoulder. The second one, as David said, it's it's opened up. He got shot in the back, right? And it fucked up a vertebrae, which is why, you know, he goes down. Uh, Obviously, getting shot, not not great. Bliss and his team. It would not be down. No, no. Oh, and and Bliss also was called because uh, uh, Robert Todd Lincoln – uh, happened to be there, and of course, because I, I believe he was, uh, he was secretary of something. Was he secretary of war for, so. for Garfield? He, that's his go, son. Yes. Goes, you know what? I know a doctor. Uh, this guy who was there when my dad, who uh, died while they mm-hmm. kept shoving things inside of his head. Uh, yeah, he was there. We should call him. So Bliss, just, uh, Bliss does like this fucks Garfield. To the point where he opens up multiple... They couldn't find the bullet wound track after all of this, right? No. And this is going on for more than two months while Garfield's awake and conscious. Lucid and write, <laughs> writing letters. He was dealing yeah. with um, some states that he wrote to his mother and said that he was feeling better. He was he was going to recover. He should have recovered. They weren't fatal wounds. But no. the, the treatment he, he receives is at one point they bring in leeches. Oh yeah, it's the 19th century, and and look, I would sort of hope if I was the president, I could get the best doctors. You know, they call me old-fashioned if you were. George Washington would have got better doctors than this. Yeah, um, and that's a century earlier. But <laughs> he catches what you guys would call staff, what we would call MRSA or MRSA, um, septicemia, whatever you want to call it. And he dies yep. 80 days later. Now, the oh, really interesting... Sorry, go on. That, that before. So he starts losing... Garfield was a hefty man for the time. He was about 220 pounds. Mm. He loses about 80, 90 pounds during this. Bliss, all right, again, quackery, decides to start shoving uh, the, the food up his ass, right? M- makes this, this thing of, of beef broth and blood and ground beef. And starts pumping it up the president's ass with a hand pump, trying to put nutrients into it. Now, we know, even at this point, you can't really give nutrients to a body by shoving it up the ass, except for in, you know, like some rare occasions where you have to. This, of course, responds in Garfield laying here now on a table, uh, violently exploding diarrhea of this back out his ass because it has to come back out. Mm-hmm. All over this room that I presume is like, you know, I, I can't remember if this is at the tea house or if they had him back. I think they had him back to the White House by this point. But there's got to be a room where they're like, yeah, it's the uh, Garfield room. Like, th- that just <laughs> don't go in ask. there. <laughs> yeah, just, just that you want to avoid it. Um, the really, you know, the interesting thing is that, that when he shot him, 
um, he announces it's been arrested. I am a stalwart and I'm proud to have done this because now Chet Arthur will be president. So Chet Arthur becomes a bloody unpopular fellow immediately as people, not unreasonably, jump to the conclusion you put him up to this. Right? So he spends this 80 days, because Chet Arthur was a lazy, lazy man. He's mad at a politician. He was in it for as much money as he could get. Right? He had a very lavish lifestyle. He dressed well. He was the head, I think, of the... The, the Port Authority in New York, which, as you can imagine, the amount of stuff that was coming in at the port, you, you could skim. <laughs> Has anyone seen <laughs> see, season two of The Wire? Right. You you could skim. OK. And it was a great post to have. He didn't get into politics because he, he had any idealistic expectations. He was one of Roscoe Conklin, a legendary machine politician. Uh, by the way, Roscoe Conklin is a name I would vote for a guy called Roscoe Conklin. That's <laughs> that's magnificent. Um, I'm, I'm looking for us to snatch him up on a free transfer, right? <laughs> that's how you start. And Roscoe Conklin, super. <laughs> we need more Roscoes doing the business. But uh, yeah, so uh, Arthur was not uh, idealistic. He's not high-minded. He wasn't in it to, to change things. He was in it for the money, right? Fairly open about it as well. He gets... Uh, added to the vice presidential list again party unity between the, the two groups of progressives and the stalwarts and he spends 80 days at the president's bedside basically said please don't die 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 please don't die, please don't die. um after he does die and he becomes the president with a lot of anger you know people saying okay right you maybe didn't put him up to it but still you must be happy about it not really realizing he didn't want to be the president he kind of goes goes over a new leaf and he's not a good president but nor is he nor is he a bad one and he does uh, see through some legislation that changes the spoil system more out of guilt i think than yeah. anything else but yeah. Again, just somebody who did not want to be the president, but was put in this position because the assassin literally shouts in front of witnesses and says <laughs> that he's, he's interrogations. No, I did it so that he would be the president, um, despite the fact that he was like, I didn't, I didn't want to be the frigging president. Oh, this guy is. There's a throw mama from the train vibe here, I think. <laughs> Uh, so Gatell ends up going on trial, right, represented by his brother-in-law. Now, again, he's, he's crazy. I mean, we can't really skirt past. Oh, yes, uh, the guy's, yeah, the guy's no, fucking nuts. And right? we're not talking about he's mad, you know, oh, he's mad that he's a character that he was about out there. He was, he was no. genuinely sane. Although brilliantly, he was ruled not to be insane so they could hang him. Yeah, I well, like that. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, justice looks more like, I don't know, vengeance, I guess. But um, during during the trial, right, Gato, like he he gives his testimony in in like the form of poetry uh, equating to like Ulysses. Um, he passes notes to people out in the crowd seeking legal advice. He gets up and sings. <laughs> I, like he gets up and sings John Brown's body at one point. Um, he tries to kill himself a couple times, and then at the end of all this, like in his defense, I, I'm not, you know. Once they decide now we're going to put him on trial, he's not crazy, even though he obviously is. He's like, well, you know what? I didn't kill the motherfucker. That doctor did. Mm. <laughs> that doctor did. And, and, and to be fair, that was, the most, that was the most lucid thing he said. Yeah, he's, <laughs> um, he would have survived it. Uh, and, and it's a fair old point. 
but no, this is a president who should have survived, who I think was actually a very good man and yeah. would have made a very good politician. But ironically, the thing he most wanted, which was political reform, the way that campaigns were done, the way that it was this great big money making scheme, actually gets put through because of his death, which is you know, unfortunate. But the thing he wanted most did happen, but was actually done by his arch enemy. And yeah. and they because of his death. So the one positive to come out of it for for poor old Garfield and his legacy was that I I don't know if he'd have been able to get it through, you know, without this. Uh, and obviously that then leads into the kind of progressive era, and and you do get you know towards Teddy Roosevelt and stuff. Um, and how do we get Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt? Roosevelt? How, well, there you go. Actually, yeah, an accidental segue. How did we get to Teddy Roosevelt? So, have we learned lessons? Should the president just be out in crowds? Probably not, right? Um, you know, may, maybe should we check to see that there aren't crazy people walking around in the room with the president? Possibly. Armed guards? Maybe. Do we do any of this? No. So, William McKinley. <laughs> uh, so, we've gone 16 years between Lincoln and Garfield. 15 years later... <laughs> William McKinley, just six months into his second term, is at the uh, Pan-American Exposition up in beautiful Buffalo, New York, having a time with his wife, who just recovered from a a fairly serious illness uh, she picked up on a a trip to the West. He was actually the first president to ever visit the uh, the West Coast, you know, while while sitting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, So, you know, they, they, they return home. They spend a couple months waiting for her to recover. Uh, he, he literally spends like two months fixing up the house. I mean, that's pretty much all he does. And he write, he's working on a couple speeches that he's going to give at this exposition. Now, they, they spend a few days at it. They go to Niagara Falls, which, as me and David discussed on a recent crow pod, I, I don't know why, because after you've been there and look at the water, you, you kind of just want to get the fuck out. And I can't imagine it was any better back in 1901. No. than it is today. Even, 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 you know, they didn't even have the shitty casino then. <laughs> oh, so they come back, come back over to uh, Buffalo on September 6, 1901. McKinley is standing in a room, letting a whole bunch of people walk past him. Uh, and famously, he had this technique for like handshaking where he could like swing you right past him. I don't know if he just jerked you and fucking threw you or whatever, but he could rifle through people in the handshake line. Uh, yeah, until a guy exactly comes that. up. If you've, ever, if you've ever been in a line with like a politician, it happened to me years ago with Tony Blair, um, 1996, before he was prime minister, when he was a Labour leader, he came to do a talk at my university. And it is that, it's you walk up and he takes, you put your hand out and they take your hand, put the other hand on your um, arm and yep. sort of swing you around as if they're doing a jig and they're kind of <laughs> hey thanks for coming great great to meet you brilliant and you're sort of how the fuck did that happen and you've been <laughs> you know you, you literally it's like go up touch swing and you're away again so yeah it's a, it's a politician trick I think well there, there, there were some estimates McKinley was so good at it that he could see 50 people in less than a minute so I mean he's just pumping people through the crowd right yeah he's, he's just whoosh you know he's, he's, he's batting through it <laughs> Until he gets to a Polish anarchist, David. <laughs> Leon Cholgash, yes. Uh, now, in terms of, you hear the word anarchist, and I think, you know, we live in a post-Sex Pistols world, and anarchy is an overused term. Uh, this is the, the, the high point of yeah. the, the genuine anarchist movement. And around the world, 
assassination was was the thing you know um there was the obviously the czars in italy the several of the, in italy and russia were, were murdered the italian king was mm-hmm. was murdered uh franz ferdinand would of course be murdered uh there was the 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 king of the king and queen of serbia were brutally yes murdered, <laughs> brutally murdered um by by uh by the the army in a, in a military coup but it was considered a legitimate tactic of the anarchist group because the idea was we will cause chaos there will then be anarchy and it will be a fairer society people won't be governed um in that way because again you know the term anarchy we use that to indicate you know a breakdown of order but that's what they wanted you know and it, it wasn't that they wanted the world to be everybody running about fighting. It was just, you know, you would then go back to almost a sort of village commune style of living yeah. uh, was the idea. And, and it's utopian and it doesn't work. I mean, that's the whole point of it. But again, when we're talking about the security, it was not a time where it, it, it was unheard of. You know, it, one of the great beliefs of anarchist movements all over the world was you kill elected officials, politicians. I say Russia was terrible for it. You know, at the time, the, the, literally cabinet members and, and office holders and royalty um, were, were targeted constantly. And it happened all around the world. But the, the you know, the, this is America. You know, they just thought that it, pe- people are free. People can do what they like. People, you know, that the, the presidents in this era had a kind of fatalism about them. I mean, they were aware that it could happen. They just didn't seem to take any steps to stop it. Yeah, no, and that's, uh, you know, we still have a secret service. I mean, well, the secret service does exist, but it's not doing what we think it does now. It's still effectively like he's got a couple Pinkertons guarding him, you know. That's about it. It's a couple of bodyguards, but it's not this yeah. thing that they'll, they'll scope out areas for weeks that the president's going to go to and, and do this. Although, he, although the Secret Service did say to him not to do this, not to go yeah. and meet. But <laughs> don't they, so they, don't go know, specifically to this building. Yeah, they, they definitely did say <laughs> that to him. That's why he put it back on the itinerary. So, yeah. Yeah, but but Leon Cholgash, who again, you know, an anarchist politician, wasn't insane. You know, we we've just described somebody who was clearly mentally disturbed. He wasn't. He just genuinely did believe. He wasn't, you know, a particularly um, liked person within the groups, the, the political groups he moved, and a lot of them felt that he was a a spy. I mean, you know, a I lot mean, of government. There's a lot of similarities between him and you know the guy that we come to last, I think. Yeah, there is. He's desperate to fit in somewhere, and he goes yeah. along to these, um, you know, an, or, or subversive group. These days, we've got a simpler name for them: terrorists. Right? We, <laughs> yes. we now just get to the point. If you want to do something like that, you're a terrorist. But back then, there were all sorts of different political names. Well, actually, um, we call them freedom fighters here. I think you'll you'll they, find. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> not, not dynasty candidates. Um, but they 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 didn't really take to him. He was a bit of an oddball, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> and uh, again, he, he he thinks, well, what can I do? What can I do that will persuade them, you know, that I'm not an informer, that I'm not someone, that they can trust me? And comes up with this, you know, outlandish plan to kill the president. But it's not outlandish because he can do it. And, he, you know, he gets gets a gun, conceals it in a handkerchief, 
um, and, and, and shoots twice at McKinley. And again, McKinley does that thing I hate of going, don't hurt him! Yeah. Whereas me, yeah. oh, me oh, no. And they were definitely going to kill him. They right were going <laughs> to kill him. He, he would have died there and then um, yep. had, had he not intervened, which again, I think is a measure of the man, in all honesty, that, that he did that. And McKinley was a good president, you know. Um, he, he had he, he'd had the war with Spain, which wasn't... He fought that war, not in that sense. He fought going to war as much as he possibly could. But when you've got a Congress who wants it, a country who wants it, yeah. it is going to be an easy war. There's not going to be any real comeback from it. It was very hard to eventually fight off. But he'd grown up, I think, in the Civil War, hadn't he? And he had a real fear. He'd served as a, I'm pretty sure, as a uh, a medical. Yeah. Um, no, and yeah he'd, he'd, he'd seen it. So. He, he knew, no, nah, war is not glamorous. It's not all the shit that they talk. And I wish that that had been a lesson that had been learned in in Europe, where of course the elected heads of Europe thought war was this lovely glamorous short thing, and that yeah, but when and, you don't go, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but, but also, you know, they thought it was this idea of of you know the, there would be guys on horses, you know, with the wet. They had this idea, and you have a big bat. It's a it's a conscript volunteer. Oh, sorry, it's a volunteer army, well trained, and what you do is your army goes up against their army in a field somewhere, and it's done in a day. And somebody wins and somebody loses. And that that was it, right? I, that's not war. And it was it certainly wasn't by this stage of the game, you know, where we've got machine guns and whatnot. Of course, Europe doesn't learn this lesson that McKinley already knew. And you get the Great War, you get World War One, and you get this slaughter and an industrial that, that that scars the whole continent for the the whole world really for the whole century. Well, so, and, and, that, and then we don't learn from that one either. <laughs> we gotta try it one more time. <laughs> that, the, to be fair, the the first one wasn't. You know, the, the first one was everybody's fault. The second one, there was second one. Yeah. yeah, there was yeah. there was a couple of countries <laughs> in particular. I thought, you know, I I will give I, I will sort of say Germany and Japan deserve a lot of the responsibility for that one. You know, that that one's sort of on them. But again, you know, that that is. Uh, you know, being being flippant because there's you know Versailles and various other reasons that they grow up the collapse of empires and nothing filling yeah. them and then right wing and left wing authoritarian governments sprout up. But yeah, he was he was a good man and and uh, yeah. the really interesting thing, of course, unfortunately for poor McKinley, is um, most people who get followed by the vice president uh, then generally the vice president has been selected for you know, various reasons and not always for the best ones this guy who's been selected <laughs> he's been put in the vice presidency to stop him doing anything because he's been uh, you know the, the, the party he's a loose cannon he's a, he's a head case you know um he is he's a wild man literally you know he, he well he's 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 out in the woods uh yep. you know they they, they they so mckinley gets shot Obviously, and, and and the same again. I mean, it's not the war, but it is a gut shot, and it is 1901. But uh, they they get through with the operation and and all this stuff. And ironically, just like with Garfield, where not only was there an X-ray machine in DC available, but uh, Graham Bell brought his uh, induction, uh, whatever he called it, the thing that could have easily found the bullet, mm-hmm. if not for Doctor Bliss ramming his fist into his body over and over and over again. He's back again, uh, folks. So, no x-ray machines, though, right? For McKinley, they didn't want to scare him, even though they had two at the scene of the fair. Mm-hmm. So, they get in there, they, you know, they, again, reach around, 
just digging in there, can't find the bullet, stitch him up. And they start briefing people that he's okay. So Teddy Roosevelt's like, fuck it. I'm going to go up to the Adirondacks and do my Teddy Roosevelt shit. Not, not good. Uh, because, you know, when a bullet pierces your stomach and then your colon and everything else, there tends to be some stuff that leaks out that mm. maybe you don't want just floating around in your body. Dude. And McKinley starts to, uh, you know, fall back apart here. Now, at first, they, they say the pain in his abdomen <laughs> is just indigestion. And so give him, like, some milk of Maalox or yeah, fucking whatever. Uh, like, ah, oh, you're fine. You're fine. No. No, that's that's a, that's the sepsis sitting in mm. throughout his entire abdomen, which is apparently now just filled with pus. Uh, and he dies eight days later. Now, think not 80, eight. So a little bit better time frame than Garfield. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, again, it, it, so bizarre because... It's in that era where, you know, you're on the cusp, really. And and there had been medical advances. It should not have happened. He should have survived. But again, panic just sets in whenever a president gets shot in, in these two examples. And, and people make bad decisions at the time when you really need people to be making good decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that that's the key that you really need people to be doing stuff that will save you, not stuff that will that will kill you. Um, and neither of these guys get that. And. It's a real shame for McKinley because I think that, you know, history would have been more, he, he would have been more remembered. I think if he'd finished his term, he would have been considered a, a pretty decent president. Um, yeah. He is considered a pretty decent president, but he's then followed by a guy who literally revolutionises the office of the president. I mean, yeah. he, he does. Um, <laughs> he's followed by this this hurricane of a human in Theodore Roosevelt, uh, a man who just, you know, there were no such thing as boundaries and this incredible energy and whatnot. To put it into context, Teddy Roosevelt later um, is on his way to deliver a speech uh, when he's campaigning for election and he's shot, but he's saved in a way by, he has a 50 page speech in his breast pocket, which (laughs) takes some of the, which takes some of the, the effect off the bullet, but he, the bullet goes into him and he then goes and delivers an hour and a half speech yep. while bleeding. And then says at the end, I'm sorry, folks, I had intended to speak for longer. However, I am somewhat shot. <laughs> what a fucking brilliant line. I am somewhat shot. And then he goes off and gets, and gets patched up. What a magnificent human being he was. Well, see, now no, Davis brought that up. Finally, after this, right? Not after Lincoln, not after Garfield, not after McKinley, but after the assassination attempt on Roosevelt, just about a year into him taking over from McKinley, is finally when they put the Secret Service, that still at that point part of the Treasury Department, in charge of protecting the president. Um, they still don't get this all the way done, though. It takes, I think it was 1906 or 1907, uh, because there were members of Congress, that, again, kind of as a spoilage effort, wanted the army in charge of protecting the president. Uh, but they finally get this done. The Secret Service is now there. We have full-time security after we've only let three presidents be murdered and Roosevelt take a bullet less than a year after the last guy. Everything's good, right? You know, we go through the war. Roosevelt's fine. Truman, some guys tried to shoot him, but they tried to do it from, like, outside the house, you know. Whatever. So you get a couple. Then we get to the big one. And and I think it is the big one. You know, as you said, the impacts of, of Lincoln's are, are far further. But 
everybody saw this one. And that, of course, makes its impact on, on the psyche um, and society as a whole, I, I, I think, far greater than, than, than the other three. Um, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, it's it's JFK moment that's yep. given itself to a name. And, and I think that everything he became in death as well. And, and then the way that the 60s go... Um, uh, and, and yeah, the, we're, the we're not done killing upheavals. people with the president in the 60s. <laughs> no, the, the, the political upheavals that, that happened, you know, it, it does almost launch this, this as you say, incredible era of, of violence and, and, and assassinations and murders and whatnot and riots. And, and, and you know, we've all it, it's become a cliche, but. You know the the images of sixties riots while uh, Summer in the City by the Love and Spoonful plays. <laughs> yeah. You know that, that it's become a cliche, but it's all, all, all along the Watchtower by by Jimi Hendrix and there's you know Vietnam footage put in. But it's true, and it's something that even you know me growing up in the eighties as, as a small boy um, in Ayrshire, you know, a thousand miles away, mm. more than I was going to say literally, but literally a lot more. But you know, <laughs> nowhere near it, it, it. Not affect my life, and it was something you were aware of. You know, you were aware President Kennedy got killed in Dallas in 1963, and it it it's something that to this day, you know, the book, one of the books about the assassination, not in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. When asked about whether or not you know people would ever really know the truth, because it asks questions about. Uh, you know, power about thought about who runs the world, about what goes on, what we know uh, as the public, all of that. Um, and it is, of course, and will forever be the biggest and greatest conspiracy theory in the world. And I know people will, will say nine eleven, and I know people will say, uh, you know, World War Two that you know, did did uh, uh, did Roosevelt know any of that? There's a thousand conspiracy theories, Roswell. None of them. Yeah. have captured the public imagination and held the public imagination in the way yeah, I mean, that the Kennedy one does. On now. Yeah. And it's still and it's showing no signs of abating. If somebody brings no. out a Kennedy movie next year it would be a hit. It's it, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't show signs. There, there are Kennedy books come out, you know, every year. As Kennedy assassinated specifically, not biographies, you know, there yeah. are biographies come out every year, but um it has a hold on the popular imagination, I think, personally, more than any other. And I think that if you ever wanted to demonstrate conspiracy theories to someone, this is your this is your textbook, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you know, let's before we fully climb down that rabbit hole, there, there is another lesson here because um, we're not done with the president's protection detail just yet. There was an incident that n- no one knew about, and I'm kind of interested if you did, because this only came to surface uh, about two and a half years ago. Uh, but on October 19th, 1962, during the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis, Kennedy was on tour. He was here in Illinois in Springfield. And just like what happened to Dallas that day, of course, you know, the, the, the plan of the motorcade was given to the press before. It's on the front page of the paper. It's on this, it's on that. And at one point during this, there was a rifle seen pointing out of a window with a scope on it overlooking the president's motorcade. Okay. Mm-hmm. Secret Service arrested two men aged 16 and 20 uh, who for some reason, came up with the story that, well, we just wanted to see if we could, if we use a scope going through, if we could get a better view of him coming back without it. Like, I, you know, what? But 
President John F. Kennedy, a motorcade, a rifle seen from a building above. It's not Dallas, 1963. We're talking Springfield a year earlier. JFK made a visit to the Illinois capital city, and for the most part it went off as planned. But new information has recently come to light about an incident involving two young men and a rifle. What happened back then? We turn to reporter Crystal Thomas with the Springfield newspaper, the State Journal Register, whose article ran this week. Crystal, thanks for being with us, and let's start by explaining Kennedy's visit to Springfield. What was his agenda here? Well, so Kennedy was visiting Springfield as a part of a stop during a campaign tour. Um, The midterms were in a month, and he was uh, in Springfield to stump for Democratic candidates, um, namely Representative Sidney Yates. He was here to give a rousing speech to a crowd of thousands of people in Springfield, urging them to vote for his candidates. So he comes to Springfield and a motorcade ensues once he leaves uh, the plane at the airport. And your newspaper at the time just had a brief blurb that something had occurred. Well, I wouldn't even call it a blurb because uh, it was two lines on page seven. It was part of it wasn't even part of the main story. It was um, part of a story called Kennedy Sidelights that was explaining kind of the police presence it took to protect uh, President Kennedy and to secure the motorcade. And and the two lines um, didn't talk about how uh, there was a rifle pointing at President Kennedy at one point in the motorcade. It, all it said was that two youths were arrested and that they were held for secret service. There was no follow-up uh, and no explanation for why they were arrested. All we know about this incident so far is what was found in that bi-weekly report that was declassified uh, two years ago. The report is about uh, it's about 20 pages, but the brief about the motorcade is about a paragraph. And what it says is that there were two young men. They um, were in a second story floor of a building somewhere downtown. And as the motorcade passed by that building, once it left and Illinois Department of Public Safety employees saw a rifle and a scope sticking out the window. And um, from there on, uh, local police went and got the two youths, arrested them, and brought them to Secret Service. They were questioned by Secret Service. They admitted that they did stick the rifle out the window at the presidential motorcade. But their explanation for doing so was that they wanted to see if they can see the president through the scope of the rifle, so that when he came back through the motorcade 30 minutes later, they could see him better. All right, thanks to uh, Crystal Thomas from the State Journal Register down here in uh, Springfield, Illinois, uh, as well as NPR Illinois for the audio there. I'll include links to both uh, in the uh, comments for the show. Just over one year before, under a scenario that I mean, you, you couldn't repeat it more, except they were in a second-floor window instead of a sixth-floor window. Uh, exactly what happens in Dallas happened in Springfield, and no lessons were learned. Because, obviously, you know, Kennedy was starchly opposed to riding in clothes of limousines for these, you know, he, he liked being with people, waving at the people. And didn't work out too well um, in Dallas, as, of course, Lee Harvey Oswald shoots three bullets and... Two of them find their target. Yep. Um, well, that's so you say. <laughs> so you say, Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, I mean, 
Luke Kennedy was not popular in the South. No. I think it's fair to say. Um, another multitude of reasons for it, but uh, he didn't even want to go to Dallas. It, Kennedy, as, as people know now, didn't really know back then, was very ill, man. You yeah. know, he, he, and his back was killing him. Um, so I've got some, some sympathy as a fellow um, back sufferer there. But he goes to Dallas. There is this, you know, the, 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 if you want to kill the president, here's where he's at. Um, and then book the pot. We all know the story. We've all seen the movie. Um, everybody knows, you know, what happens then. Lee Harvey Oswald. Was it Lee Harvey Oswald who shot him? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. And I know I'm sorry to disappoint people. How can you say that, David? There's so much evidence. No, there isn't no, so much not. circumstantial <laughs> stuff that builds up. And if you look at it in a funny way and squint from a different direction, you can see it was Lee Harvey Oswald. He did, he did shoot him. Now, if you then want to come at me and say, did somebody put him up to it? Then I'll, I'll listen. If you then want to say, how did a guy who lived in the Soviet Union at the height of the... <laughs> the, the the height of the Cold War get allowed back into the US that's a fair question, I'll listen to that but did he shoot him? Yes it was him. Um, immediately this amazing story, you know, and, and to us it's just a story Shane, you know, we weren't about so we can't, uh, um, apologies to anyone who, you know, was, was maybe around at the time, but you know, for us we've only read about it or, or watched it or seen the footage so um the assassin gets shot yeah. in police custody two days later. Now, of course, that's going to start getting... Yeah, we're going to raise some questions. <laughs> but the thing is, is that you know, you were a journalist for years. You, you worked... Uh, the amount of times that incompetence is used as a... You know, people look at it and go, ha, it must be something. People are shit. People yeah. do stupid <laughs> things and make errors and do it after... Well, and and I hate to break the cop, cops like showing off when they've arrested yeah, someone, Jack, like you, say the guy who shot the president. They knew Jack Ruby. He, he yeah. was he was allowed to wander about the the station. You know, it wasn't it, it wasn't rare for Jack Ruby to be the cops all knew him. He ran a nightclub. Um, again, his motivations, but. I think the problem with any conspiracy theory is what people do is they start at the point they believe and then right. they work back. And you'll always be able to say, well, what about this? What about this? What about that? But it is intriguing and it definitely does ask a lot of questions that have kept going forever. LBJ, I, I'm sure you've read books as I have because there are a lot of them about how mm-hmm. it was LBJ that was behind it. Personally, I think if LBJ wanted to kill Kennedy, we just have stabbed him in the neck with a pen. Oh, so yeah, would done himself. I don't yeah, he'd have done it himself. <laughs> you know, there's no doubt. He, and I think if LBJ had won Kennedy to kill, it would have been Bobby. I think he, if he had won assassination, you know, that he was yeah. allowed. I, I think it would have been Bobby that he. Well, maybe, you know, maybe it was. Maybe but, it was. Uh, yeah. Maybe it was. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think that you know sometimes we can do that. We can start off. It does look dodgy. It is interesting. And it is you know, something that, that you can speculate over over endlessly. But it, it was Oswald who, who did this. Now, you then look at all the different factors, the Cold War, Cuba, Bay of Pigs, etc., CIA. And the problem that we have is that I personally know, because it's been 60 years, I don't think it'll ever be released to you. I don't think we'll ever no. get the end. Because surely after 60 years, you think you would be able to release this stuff well i I think i mean all the files from the house select committee had to wait 75 years from the date of the assassination so i guess you know i mean we still technically have 18 more years to go 
Uh, Even then, we... I think they might find a way to block it. You know, I yeah. Don't, I just, oh, they always I do. I mean, yeah, and I, I think you know that it, it might it might come out in like a hundred years. I don't know which again shows you the impact of it. But um, there are questions. You know, that, that there are definite. Were there people who knew who Lee Harvey Oswald was? Probably. Right. Were there people who you know might have spoken to Lee Harvey Oswald? Probably. Um, all of that is is definitely a factor. So, th- but then I think you're moving away from who and to why, aren't you? Yeah. And that's different. That is different. Yeah. It, and you know, I mean, just on a personal, you know, um, I mean, I remember growing. It's something, especially growing up in my era, because it was so overwhelmingly part of our my parents. You know that. I mean, they they World War Three was going to start, right? I mean, for mm-hmm. somebody just murdered the president. We just got done with Cuba, and I mean, everybody was. They, they sent the kids home from school. Um, I mean, it, it, it was it was going to happen. Uh, I, I remember finally going to Dallas. I don't know when this was now, fifteen years ago maybe. And it is strange, like the the site of Garfield's assassination no longer exists. Obviously, you know. Lincoln's is a, a national monument. McKinley's, there's just like a rock there uh, with a little plaque on it. I feel so sorry for <laughs> And he's only ever spoken about it as a footnote to, yeah. to Ted Roosevelt. Um, Dealey Plaza is one of the strangest places that you can ever go. Um, because, you, you know, I mean, you know what happened. And you know, you can see it. Right. I mean, you, you set foot on the plaza and the, the, you know, all of a sudden there's a Pruder films in your head. I mean, you can see it. Uh, there's three X's on uh, Oak Street marking where the three shots were. Um, it, it's it, it's a very strange and, and surreal um, uh, experience. And, you know, thankfully now, uh, since he was the last one to be shot, it seems well. Shot and lived. <laughs> shot, shot, yeah. and, uh, shot, sorry, shot and died as the title of the show. Um, you know, may, maybe we, we learned. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, the the Reagan one was a weird one, just because of how it went about. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I again, I I I think there's still a very serious portion of the American psyche at large that is impacted just just by the. I mean, the fact that you can watch your president be shot. Uh, Which would be the case on, now. On television. Yeah. If it was ever to happen again, it will be on, you know, it will be on the television. There will be a yeah. record of it. And, and yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, look, it's, it's bizarre whenever you, you sit and you, you watch someone, when you watch as a Pruder film, you're watching a documentary. And it, one of the things that I always find strange is we've got watersheds. You know, we've got things that you can't show before nine o'clock. So you couldn't show a fictionalised someone being shot and blood spurting from the neck but in a documentary it's fine and it's yeah. literally some it's effectively a snuff movie when you think about it, it. you know yeah. you're watching someone die um and i think again you know all that he was and all that he represented and and in a way it's probably saved a lot of his because a lot of stuff would have come out about kennedy as he got older yeah well, all, all the stuff that has come taken out, but we can still off. romanticize him instead of. But yeah. he, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. But he's still just this, you know, forty-six-year-old guy, handsome man, you know, as opposed to being an old, you know, rather creepy fellow. Um, he 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 does get romanticized, and he he forever will be. He'll be held up. Whereas if you actually look at his presidential achievements, they're not huge. 
you know, they're not massively significant. Um, so, but you've always then you can always say, ah, but he would have, and you can't argue with that, can you? If someone no. comes away with that, you, 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 you've nothing. It's the whole snatched promise thing from you that you, you know, he was going to be that, and 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 you can't argue with that because it's it's, it's unprovable. But I think that you're right. It, it's had a resonance worldwide that will never go away, I don't think, that, that because there will always be, you know, we don't have footage of assassinations from the 15th century, you know, that the, yeah. they are just things in books, whereas this will always be, and here you go, you can go and, you know, go and look at this. Um, and it, it has a hold in the, to put it in context, there is a thread on the Rangers football fan website, followfollow.com, about the Kennedy assassination, that has been there for around about th- 13 years now, right, yeah. that, still gets busy traffic on a football board in Scotland. Yeah. It's constantly being added to and that's because that it, it just it, it captures people's imaginations in a way that I don't think anybody you know I I I, 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 I can't think of many assassinations around the world that that have had this impact, you know, what a way apologies because there'll be ones, you know, maybe in you know the, the East or whatever that, yeah. that I'm coming at this from a Western culture point of view. That's that's where my bias is. But I can't think of any that's had that level of impact. Well, um, and, and, and I mean, there's also a, a, I don't know, like a a very modern financial capitalist uh, framework that's been built out around the assassination of John Kennedy. You know, like I mean, well, the, the gun Ruby used was sold at auction in 1991 for like two hundred thousand dollars. You know, um, people want to go see like the, the limousine or they want to see the suit or, they, you know, it's just like that's fucked up. And then obviously all the books and all the movies, of course, uh, what's his dicks, JFK, um, which completely fucked the heads of a whole new generation as far as the conspiracy theories go. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, 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 the, it's the one that's really buried. And, you know, and as you said, and I fully agree and we'll repeat ad nauseum the death of lincoln is far far more impact on the the nation as a whole but just how this one happened it, it'll never go away i don't think so and I, I honestly don't believe that we will see all the papers in my lifetime yeah. you know, never mind never mind my dad my dad was alive he was a wee boy i think he was nine when it happened you know you he thought that he might see it in his lifetime i don't think we'll see it in mine and yeah. i just you know that's that's the currency of it that's the resonance of it that still 60 years later it would probably be deemed too politically explosive say there is a document out there that says oh i you know cia did this or that that they, they would still feel we cannot release that at, at this moment in time yeah. um that to me is is the biggest testament of 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 what that that led to and Again, you know, for him, he became a martyr. He became, as I say, the, the, almost this sort of icon of, of, of snatched away promise of doomed youth to a degree, mm. um, which is, you know, clearly not the legacy he would have wanted. But it's it's going to ensure that he remains throughout history one of the most famous. And it, it's not automatic. We've just proved that. We've just talked yeah. about two guys, you know, that, that history's. <laughs> barely remembers so it's not oh he got shot and that's it there was a lot more to it than that you know who he was what he was what but i think kennedy to me is less of a man than an emblem 
You know, yeah. it's never really been about him. It's about what he was or could have been or what people wanted him to be. Uh, we put out the call for questions, as with any crow pod, and of course 90% of them are about the candy assassination, this, this which is, I think we could have predicted. This isn't the crow pod. It's a different one. <laughs> Remember that? It's a spin-off, right? This is, this is Benson with the soap. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take one. I, I, I picked one. I picked one. DJ wants to know who really shot JFK. Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> Although, can I just say um, one of the Onion's best headlines? Do you remember when uh, John Kennedy Jr. died? Um, one of the, uh, the Onion's headline is uh, JFK Jr. dead. Crazy Wop Giancana still hasn't forgotten. <laughs> oh man let's see david marshall uh of heart and hand uh renowned here he wants so uh, now i'm going to take all these uh context of the four uh situations that we've just talked about here so he asked what is the best way to be shot and i would have to say how garfield was shot because he should have lived <laughs> I'd rather get shot in the arm and it not... Well, he got to, that too. Yeah, yeah, but just the arm and it not to penetrate my skin. <laughs> I so feel just like, like, like a like an airsoft gun kind of a thing, the little foam like pellet? A, like, like a flesh wound. You yeah. been shot, I'd be shot with a Nerf gun and it hurts, so yeah. I wouldn't fancy. But um, it, it depends what you're after. I certainly... If I'm going to die anyway, then I'd rather just, you know, go without knowing yeah. it. I certainly wouldn't want the whole lingering four-month death, no. Yeah. Yeah, and once again, I cannot stress enough how bad this was. At one point, Bliss fisted him so bad he ruptured his bladder. Like, they fucking killed him. Oh, 100% they did. He, he should have lived. And, and, and we're not just saying that, you know, uh, modern medical, he should have lived then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, sure wants to know which president are we most surprised was not shot. Well, you know the the one that people think we're gonna do. Um, so I, I'm not <laughs> going to go with that. Uh, I think Nixon would have certainly expected somebody to to. to I mean, to somebody tried to fly a plane into the White House. So. Yeah, I think 68 to 72. You know, the height of the Vietnam crisis and whatnot then i think that you know nixon would have been one the johnson another one maybe yeah, yeah. see i i'd I go back to jackson i think because there were a yes. lot of people that really wanted to shoot him yeah. sadly Probably. he just he, he just beat the shit out of you before he even had the chance so. but he would he would notice you coming and even in his like 70s would have just wandered over and beat the shit out of you with his cane <laughs> And also the fact that he was unkillable. See, you could have shot him, right? He, yeah. he fucking had bullets in him. People had shot him. Yes. He didn't, he didn't let it bother him. You know, he just got uh, Let's see. Last one here. Let's go with uh, at Glitter Bomb. I don't know. Bandit. Whatever. Uh, which president would you most like to have survived their assassination? I, I, I got to go Lincoln because I think if... Lincoln, I think if Lincoln isn't killed, we don't have Garfield and McKinley being killed, probably. Um, and we have a drastically different world that we live in. Um, 
I think a much more fair and, and just world for a lot of people, at least certainly in my country. So. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if Lincoln had lived, we would feel it in our day. Yeah. You know, the the, 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 the legacy and the changes, I'm not entirely sure that that's the case, even for Kennedy. You know, right. had he lived that we have a significantly different or better, or better is probably the, the, the key word in that, whereas I'm pretty sure if Lincoln had lived, uh, he wouldn't have got everything right, but he would have got a hell of a lot more right than Andrew Johnson did. Uh, that I can say with confidence. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I think him particularly, um, and 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 you know in a darker way that that probably the one dying that that had the most positive effect, which is horrible on the person I do, but w- would be McKinley because then you you get Roosevelt, and without Roosevelt you don't get this modern presidency. You don't get a lot of very positive legislation changes. Uh, you, you you know he. You know, if I hadn't been for Roosevelt, then by the kind of 1920s in America, the presidency could have been reduced to yeah. know, a ceremonial role. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely falling more than like a, a, a just a head of state position as opposed to you know yeah, the head of yeah. government. So hundred hundred percent, it could have been yeah. like this this you know almost constitutional monarch style role. You had the nice house and you opened. <laughs> you know, you, you <laughs> open monuments and things, but and hopefully didn't get shot while you're <laughs> and, and hopefully didn't get shot. But you know, there would have been no point. And and the leader of the speaker, of, oh sorry, the 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 house leader would have been the you know what we consider the most powerful person in the country by now. Yeah. And that that process had begun. Yeah, I, I mean, very much so. Well, and, and part of that was the fallout from Lincoln and Garfield being killed. Obviously, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because you keep losing presidents, you kind of go, maybe we shouldn't stick all the power in the government into this <laughs> one guy. Uh, we did have one more. This one's actually good. Uh, the people who lived. Favorite uh, favorite attempt on a president who, who lives. Now, for some, people really wanted to kill Gerald Ford. <laughs> yeah, why? I don't know. Well, and of course, I mean, it was it was Charles. Man, it was it was uh, Squeaky Fromm who tried to tried yeah. to kill him twice within twice? about two and a half weeks. Gerald Bloody Ford. Yeah, lovely. Um, you know, the, the, the homeless pal. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I, I think that 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 one was really awesome. I think that Reagan's reaction to it was was just brilliant, and you know, I hope the doctors are Republican and things like yeah. that. Just, just, <laughs> just fantastic. Reagan's the weirdest one because it had absolutely nothing to do with politics. No. You know, it, it could have been anybody in the president's chair. It was nothing to do with republic. It was nothing to do with I want long term change. It was I have seen Taxi Driver and fancy the wee girl in it, um, which is incredible when you think about what that could have done to the world you know cold war tension all that kind of stuff that the such a kind of silly reason and the impact that it could have had on the planet yeah well and i I will point out the the other very fucking random one well because john hinckley had actually tried to kill carter but uh carter also had another assassination attempt by a man named raymond lee harvey uh So, Why yeah. is it with three names by the? I don't, yeah, all of them. Yeah. 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 Whenever there's three names, John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, yeah. If you that, grow that, up going by three names, you, drop one. Ooh. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> a don't wrong. Don't buy one. a firearm. No, nope. <laughs> you, you, you know, don't anybody that, that Lee Harvey or 
One name is, is, is sufficient, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, yep. I'll do. We're good. Yeah. All right, so yeah, that'll, that'll wrap it for the uh, the first uh, Tropod History Extravaganza here on Heart and Hand. Uh, quick note, as we've talked about on Twitter and Facebook and everything else, I have a Interstate 55 road sign that is like the real big-ass piece of steel that a friend of mine is giving me for us to auction off for the Rangers Youth Development Company. Um, so it's five bucks for entry. You go to paypal.me and then put in my Twitter handle is up void O F V O I D. Um, it's five bucks for entry. And the response, I was thinking about drawing it next week. The response has been pretty good. I might push it back one more week as long as people aren't going to flip their shit that I said it would be February 2nd. I think the more money we can raise for Colin Stewart and, and them over there is, agree. is the better. I so. think they'll agree with that. You know, yeah. The agency of development will benefit from it. So no, I, I agree with that. And I think the listeners will as well. Now, so hopefully, uh, like I said, my friend, he's going to drop it off. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping here later this week. Um, so we'll get a video or a picture up of it and whatever. And, and like I said, on Twitter, I'm just going to buy him like a gift card to a restaurant for the effort. And we will donate all the money to the uh, youth development company. So I, so far we're right around, 200 bucks give or take and that's well really done. just with me throwing it up on what was that saturday I yeah know, we, we haven't done a project no so so yeah hopefully between that tomorrow uh but go take a look you can find it on my twitter page or the the crow's old facebook page i know david shared it all around and sound follow yeah, so follow so, it's, so, so. so on our facebook page as well so yeah, yeah. there's plenty of places to find it so there we go. Uh, me and David will be back Tuesday with your regular crow pod with Todd Van Allen, and that's it. So David, thank you. This was this was fun. It was a lot of fun, and I'm looking you forward know, for, to, for to, talking to about hearing some people. of the other ones. Yeah, yeah, you know, but we did it respectfully, mostly. Yeah. God, man, Doctor Bliss. I well, tell you what. <laughs> keep him the fuck away from me. <laughs> All right, folks. I'll do it. We'll talk to y'all soon. Bye. That was a Heart and Hand production.